1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. This guy on my right is Kevin Walsh. And welcome to hour number two. We spent most of our number one, Kevin, talking about the NBA, right? Because practice facilities are, you know, looking to open towards the end of this week. And it, we, we're trying to find some value because if they crown a champion, I want to be on the correct champion. But, you know, some of the starts and stops and some of the things that all teams will have to deal with will certainly, uh, you know, Mess with competitive balance at some point. And we spend a lot of hour number one talking about that. Here in hour number two, we're going to turn our attention to the NFL. And Kevin, you know, I think it's funny. Yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about these committees of running backs, right? And how now it may not even be two. It may be more like three or more in a committee. And one of the teams we reference what are the New York Jets? We talked about how Adam Gase says that he wanted to, quote unquote, lighten the load on Le'Veon Bell. And we got news yesterday that that's going to happen, okay? Mm -hmm. Not only did they draft Michael Pirine in the fourth round, the running back out of Florida, well, yesterday they go and sign the ageless wonder Frank Gore. Frank Gore, who is now third all time in rushing yards, he's going to give it the old college try for another year. This is a guy who has had over 500 yards rushing, 50 years in a row. I still That's think he's something a compiler, whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. He'll be wearing green and white for the 2020 season. Do you like the signing?
2: In, okay. I like Frank Gore. Okay? okay, And I actually think that it's okay to be a compiler. The longevity, especially how running backs are in this day and age, I actually think it's very, very impressive. Third all-time rushing, I do believe that Frank Gore is, is a Hall of Famer. Now, he was never the best running back in the league, but I, I like Frank Gore. My, my question more so for the Jets is, and it's kind of a problem sometimes just with the NFL as a whole. And maybe, maybe me not ever actually experiencing and say that, never being a head coach, maybe I'm off. But I feel like sometimes coaches rely way too, way, way too much on players they've coached before. Right their guys. Yeah, it just, it was, Frank Gore's not the best option out there. We talked about it yesterday. Like, there are other guys available yeah. that are, are better running backs than Frank Gore at this point Absolutely. in his career. Now, I understand that he is, in a sense, reliable. Because he's probably as reliable as reliable gets. But, like, we saw it last year in Buffalo. He was getting, the you know, more carries than Singletary. It was a mistake. Right. Singletary was a better running back. Like, and him coming in here, he's not... Forget better than Le'Veon Bell. He's not on the same planet as Le'Veon Bell as a running back. And he's not even – What if he's not supposed to be, though, Kevin? What if he really is supposed to, quote-unquote, lighten the
1: load? Just take five or ten carries off of Le'Veon Bell. Maybe they're low-pressure, low-stakes carries, you know? Maybe he's just there to literally fill a role, and they're not expecting him to be the Frank Gore of five, ten years ago. I just don't know if, like,
2: what is it, what is the, like, so when Frank Gore's on the field, right, Yeah. is he, like, how much of a threat is he to catch passes, and, like, I just think that there's, I just think that there's better guys, now, I know, Devonta Freeman very unlikely could be had for the same price as yeah. Frank Gore, right, and some might even argue that Frank Gore, Gore, despite being 37, is more durable than a Devonta Freeman, and and that actually might be true, I guess I just... I just wonder sometimes if coaches lean a little bit too much on the guys that they know. I, I will right. say this for Le'Veon Bell in terms of, you know, fantasy outlook. Nice outlook that, yeah. I don't love it because Frank Gore gets his That's He's right. year in, year out. You just said it 15 in a row. Yeah, 15 yards years like- in a
1: row over 500 yards. Last year for Buffalo was a career low, but he still got 599 yards, as you mentioned. Devin Singletary sort of came on at the yeah. end of the year to to prove himself as a back, and it's going to be Singletary and Moss in Buffalo this year. You talked about how this impacts Le'Veon Bell, and remember, in yesterday's show, I told you that Le'Veon Bell had a rushing and receiving season-long prop total of 1359 and a half. Well, I went back and checked. Okay, and it has gone down, but only by 60 yards. It's now 12.99 and a half. So they're talking about, you know, the difference of maybe around 13.50 for a total yards to 1300 for a total yard. So I don't get the math. Does that just mean Frank Gore is only getting 100 yards this year? How do you, how do you react to the fact that the prop bet for Le'Veon Bell has gone down? But by less than 100 yards, are there any tea leaves to read here mm, in sure. terms of how you think this committee will play out in New York? Don't forget about P. Ryan
2: as potentially a pass catching
1: back on third downs as well.
2: Yeah, so I think it, it kind of speaks to the idea of Frank Gore's the backup running back. Mm. And just because Frank Gore is better than P. Ryan, or at least more well known than P. It's Ryan a at the minimum, kind of right? Back, right? Yeah, right. Does, like there was always going to be a backup running back, right? Is is kind of sure. I feel like basically what that says. Now the backup running back maybe is better than what was expected, and that's where you see the ding in total yardage. I think my overall concern though is when someone says like, "Oh, we're gonna look to lighten the load on Le'Veon Bell," right? Sometimes yeah. those things don't ring true. I think Carolina said that about McCaffrey coming into last year, right? Like they were gonna use him way less, right. and I was. Obviously not true. And it shouldn't be true, right? Like they should be using McCaffrey to his, his fullest extent. Sometimes though, like they don't follow through. I feel like gase is going to follow through. And when we talked about this yesterday, I was like, that's really low for Le'Veon Bell. Right. Um, he's just way too talented, whether it be rushing or receiving. But now it's just as the evidence compiles, right? Of Frank Gore now being there, Gase is not his biggest fan, Le'Veon true. Bell and he's now talking about lightening the load. Mm -hmm. Man, I I don't want to be... like I'm not trying to be dramatic, but it wouldn't shock me if Le'Veon Bell didn't finish the season as a Jet. I think
1: he's there for the full season. I understand that Gaze was never in love with him, but you have him now at whatever the contract is, and he is one of the best backs. You know, because Adam Gaze has other things to worry about, like his own job security. You know what I mean? And if that's the case, you got to... Give them the quote-unquote best chance to win. But Frank Gore, we tip our cap. Third all-time rushing, and he'll continue to add to that total with the New Amazing. York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. If he gets a carry this year, and he likely will, he will join Marcus Allen as the only running backs to continue their career at the age of 37. So we tip our cap to and him, Frank Gore.
2: You, you we saw his son is now yeah. starting in college, that's yeah. the best.
1: In Buffalo, and that that's part of why I thought he signed with the Bills last year, to mm-hmm. be in the same, you know... Location As his son, you know, it's interesting to me. You mentioned Christian McCaffrey as a workhorse or someone who can do a ton of different things. His former coach was Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is now in Washington. Okay. And Mm -hmm. Washington drafted Antonio Gibson out of Memphis in this year. Okay. And we're hearing yesterday, Rivera comes out. And if you don't know, uh, Gibson is one of these uh, slash kind of players, right? Running back and play a little receiver can be in the slot can be this Swiss army knife for the Washington football team. And Rivera has come out and said that he sees Gibson's skill set as similar to Christian McCaffrey's. Now, I don't know that he's going to be a fantasy MVP, uh, but listen, that. I do think it's interesting to watch Kevin because in Washington, they are pretty much bereft of, you know, mind-numbing talent, right? Guys, playmakers that move the needle. Scary Terry McLaren was their best wide out. They were using Mm -hmm. the old man Adrian Peterson out there. Darius Geis, if he's ever on the field, could do a lot. They move Chris Thompson over to Jacksonville. So I think there is an open door for a guy like Gibson to really be a contributor in his rookie season, especially if Rivera sees a lot of different uses for him. Tell me a little bit about Gibson and what you think his role could be in this Washington offense.
2: Yeah, so I remember we were on. Um, obviously, you were on. You were on the whole time. Uh, <laughs> but I was on with you guys, I should say, uh, for you know the NFL draft coverage when this pick was made because uh, I had the NFCs beat. Right. And it was one of my fa- my favorite thing about it was I think it came up on the screen that they had drafted a wide receiver, right? right. I think that's how ESPN had positioned them, right? And right away, oh. I
1: said, no, 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 he's a running back too.
2: <laughs> right. But a lot of people were like, oh, like when you kind of were like where would you rank him 20 best running backs or whatever right. in the draft? Like be a running back. So that instantly just jumps out at you when it comes to Antonio Gibson. And I think for me, like comparing him to McCaffrey is far too lofty, but also like of nobody's going to be like, Oh, if he's not McCaffrey now, Ron Rivera's in it. No one cares about that. Right. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. So I think it's a good sign because that means they're obviously aware of what this guy can do as a pass catcher. And What's really funny is, and I saw, um, you know, some draft experts really talking about uh, Gibson post-pick, and one of the ideas was, there's a world where he's the best running back in this draft class, but we never saw it, because he hardly got those reps at Memphis, and I'm sure on its face, that sounds like a preposterous statement, because if he's the best running back, he would have got those reps, but... Listen, Alvin Kamara didn't dominate the college game, right? The way that you would cool. expect the way Alvin Kamara to dominate, right? If I threw him in a Tennessee, I mean he started at
1: Alabama, had to transfer to Tennessee. Yeah,
2: right for a number of reasons, but obviously that's yeah. what had to happen. Like so, to me, I think I'm I'm finding myself high on Gibson because this team needs skill players in the worst way. And the idea that he could right. be one of the three most skilled players on that offense mm-hmm. is far from laughable. Oh, no. I think it's the case. I think yeah. it's absolutely
1: the case, right? I'll give you maybe McLaren. I'll give you maybe Geis if he's on the field. Otherwise, I'm trying to get the ball in his hands.
2: Yeah, 100. And that's and that's what I love is that I can get the ball in his hands a number of ways. Right. That's, that's the attraction with it all, whether he's taking, you know, carries out of the backfield. And – Players like him are very, very valuable because – so and the Patriots, like, they don't care, right? But if Sonny Michel's on the field, it's a run. If James White's on the field, it's a pass. But the Patriots are the Patriots. They can get away with it. Antonio Gibson is on the field, and I don't know what's going to happen because he's so versatile. And we've talked about this a little bit yesterday, but it's just the idea of the future of the running back position. You know, Antonio Gibson is – you know, kind of the future as we, you know, piggyback off the the idea of Frank Gore, there's going to be a lot more Antonio Gibsons in this league than there are Frank Gore's.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the versatility point you make is huge going back to even Frank Gore, right? <laughs> Defensive coordinators and middle linebackers know what's going on when Frank Gore is on the field as opposed to Pirine, let's say. And, you know, the Jets had this previously about five or seven years ago. The two backs they had were Chris Ivory and Ladanian Tomlinson. And everybody knew that when Ivory was on the field, they were going in between the tackles, right? So they need these kind of guys that disguise what they're trying to do and yeah. gibson is definitely that one last piece of news at the running back position Marshawn lynch seems to be talking with the seattle seahawks about a possible return remember the seahawks got eviscerated by injury at the running back position carson and penny went down seattle is going to need a back do you think Marshawn lynch can be productive still i mean we're talking about guys like frank gore and adrian peterson does Marshawn lynch have anything left in the tank or should the steel uh should the seahawks look elsewhere
2: so it's funny but ever since you've pretty much brought the phrase the fantasy herd into my life i now feel like it dominates it this is not great because if Marshawn is on this team he will find his way into the end zone that's exactly what he did when he came back and touchdowns Mm -hmm. can be king for running back production No, I don't think he'd be the best running back by a long stretch, no matter who's healthy in that backfield. But he'll get his reps. And overall, you know, his presence can have some value for Seattle.
1: All right, so here's what we're going to do on the other side of the break. Kevin, I'm going to make you, I'm going to anoint you.
0: DailyRoto.com.
1: Welcome back here to The Early Line right here on Sports Grid. Dating Kevin, taking you around the NFL, just like we did with the NBA, just like we did with baseball in Korea. We are worldwide, and you can catch us in so many different ways. Zumo, Pluto, YouTube, Stir. however you are watching, we thank you for doing so. But, Kevin, we were talking about some of the running backs out there, right? And the old man, Frank Gore, he gets a job in new york to continue adding to his impressive career totals Marshawn lynch is in conversations on a kind of prodigal son return to seattle remember they kind of broke the glass on him in an emergency fashion at the end of last year when chris carson went down when uh Mm -hmm. penny went down and so maybe there is a reunion there but i don't know because kevin there's a lot of other running backs that are still out there, right? So if you're a GM, whether it's Seattle or anybody else, I truly wonder if, uh, you know, Marshawn Lynch would actually – Be my preference. I mean, when you think about Marshawn Lynch, he is already 34 years old. And I know, you know, Beast Mode and the Skittles and kind of he's a borderline hall of famer. But I don't know if at the age of 34, he would be the first call I would make. Okay, so first of all, I acknowledge that Seattle is one of the teams that can probably use a running back. I thought they may draft a running back at some point. Remember, Penny goes down. Carson goes down it's not like those were brand names to begin with even though Carson was a serviceable running back in fantasy so whether it's Seattle or another team I want to ask you Kevin would you go with Marshawn Lynch at the age of 34 or some of these running backs who you can have right now because they are just out on the street waiting for their phone to ring. The first mm-hmm. name I'll give you remember Marshawn Lynch is 34. What about the 28 year old former Falcons running back Devontae Freeman? Now at one point, Kevin, it was Devontae Freeman who signed the big money running back contract and you know, mm-hmm. we see how that worked out. But I got to imagine you would reach out to Devontae Freeman before Marshawn Lynch, right? One hundred
2: percent. And it's one of these situations where am I missing something? Right. Is is Devonta Freeman have familiarity for Lynch, right? In Seattle, at least. Right. So in this singular case, and kind of as we go through the list of guys available, I will tell you right now, I think there's going to be some scenarios where Lynch's familiarity wins out. Because I'm pretending that I am Seattle, not, you know, team YZ. I am Seattle. Right. And sometimes that will win out. But in this situation, as should have been the case for a couple of teams throughout the league, Devonta Freeman is an upgrade on their running back situation. Mm -hmm. And even if a team were to say, well, he's got a lot of concussion issues, and we don't believe that he'd be able to hold up, sure, I I understand that. That's very, very valid. But is he asking to be paid of a price? Where that is the most pressing concern. If Devonta Freeman is looking for seven million dollars a year, no, right? right? That that like no, I can't, I can't do that. But if Devonta Freeman has come to terms with, I don't have a job. He is right. He's got to look himself in the mirror the same way Jameis Winston had to or Cam Newton He's has to, right? Correct. A hundred. And that and if Devonta Freeman says, listen, I just want a job. I want to go to a good organization. I want to be able to compete, right. which is what I as the Seattle Seahawks should be able to offer. Yes, he's a better running back than Marshawn Lynch. Do not sell me on, well, Marshawn's a bruiser down at the goal line. The Seahawks have enough, you know, have, Carson's a big guy. Carson sure. can can handle that portion of it if you, Devonta Freeman can carry the ball into the goal line too. Like, it's fine. You know, like, if you want to use a fullback, I don't care. Like, the Freeman can get himself into the end zone. He's a more talented back at this point than Marshawn Lynch. All right, so, so, and I understand that in
1: Seattle is a separate case, right? But a guy like Devonta Freeman, think about even the, in the division in Tampa. Now we extolled the picks of uh Keyshawn Vaughn to be that PPR kind of back, right? Imagine if Devontae Freeman had that role alongside Ronald Jones in Tampa. So, you know, we're talking about Seattle because of the Lynch, you know, conversation, but there's a number of other teams. These guys are unemployed and there will yeah. be teams. I'm thinking about, you know, the bears could use a running back, you know, to pair with uh, their rookie, let's say, and Tariq Cohen. And, and what we've said is more and more teams are going at this with, more than two running backs, so even though that there's a name you know on the team, it does not preclude them from continuing to be in this market. Another name that I think is pretty interesting, also under 30 years old, okay, which is kind of that line for the running backs. He did not play at all last year, rehabbing from a knee injury. What about Lamar Miller of the Houston Texans? Now, on this network, I know we always talk about how Lamar Miller sucks, but again, Mm -hmm. this is not to be the man this is to be part of a committee would you take lamar miller over a guy like say frank gore or marshawn lynch
2: yeah so right so the lamar miller sucks thing comes from people trying to pick him in the third or fourth round in fantasy right it's all relative right and to be fair i was someone who was trying to pick him in the third and fourth round of fantasy i actually remember vividly once being in a league uh taking lamar miller sitting across from adam ronis who Mm. very very confidently told me that pick was terrible And I believe he ended up correct in his uh, assessment of that selection. Um, He usually is. So kudos to you, Ronis, on on that one. (laughs) Nevertheless, I think Lamar Miller has got more in the tank than Marshawn Lynch. Like, this is still, you know, he can still impact the game from multiple facets. And I think if you're the Seattle Seahawks, right, and you watched, you know, last year play out for you in terms of the way the running backs fell, one might say, oh, man, I don't know if I want guys with injury history where I then understand being a little bit worried about Lamar Miller or Devonta Freeman. But also, you cannot have Marshall Lynch as a full-time running back. As no a man. Way. right. Like, no way. So to me, I'd rather just keep throwing darts throughout the season on okay. Freeman and Lamar Miller, who I think are more talented backs. And if they unfortunately drop, I'll then continue to just try and keep pulling. Turn and burn.
1: (laughs) It sounds like you're ready to chew him up and spin it out the same way the NFL is with the running back position. Let me give you another option, Kevin. I mean, this is a guy who last season was a thousand yard rusher. Okay. And he's out there unemployed on the street. I'm talking about Carlos Hyde, who, by the way, is only 28 years old. Okay. After stops in Kansas city and San Francisco, he was in Houston last year. They brought in David Johnson. Now remember, maybe Houston is a place for these guys. Also, they brought in David Johnson. They have Duke Johnson, but both Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde are former Texans. And if they need a third back, maybe one of them returns there to be quite honest. I would put Carlos Hyde above everybody, maybe with the exception of Freeman. How would you rank Hyde in this list of running backs who are still out there
2: to be had on the street? This is, but this is where like the NFL to me, like they will, like they lose their mind. He just ran for a thousand yards, right? I know that production can be made on a playoff team, but like it shows that he was able to contribute last year. That's right. If you look at your running back room and go, yeah, I could use some depth, like. This is this is where it's unfortunate we don't have like I would like to be the Seahawks GM. Call Mr. Hyde, ask him, hey, what's it going to take? And and just oh he's insane and wants thirty million dollars. Like just Maybe. I just need to know I just need to know what the conversation is like here because I don't I don't see why you wouldn't want to check it like because right. if Carlos Hyde tires. needs to be the guy he did it last year. If he needed to be my lead back he did it last year. So right. at least I can feel com- confident in that. Right. I mean, he was part of a committee, obviously, with
1: Duke Johnson as well. Sure. Before sure. It, that made the playoffs, he was the early down back. So if you have that need, we know he can do it. And again, he's only 28 years old. All right. So, Kevin, we've talked about Lamar Miller, uh, Carlos Hyde, Devontae Freeman. It sounds to me that you have them ranked Freeman, then Hyde, then Miller. Is that Correct yes,
2: yeah, All right, yeah. bring out so more talent bring you are the
1: talent. GM here, I'm trying to see yeah, you know, yeah, who's yeah. your one first months, phone I call think. after the show, let yeah. me throw another name in okay, this is one who is on the other side of 30 though, he's 32 years old right now, is a, you know a former pro bowler, a former all pro. And I'm talking about Shady McCoy. I know you know him well as an Eagles fan. You know, he didn't have as much tread on the tire in Kansas city. Last year was a healthy scratch as they moved into the playoffs a lot at the age of 32. Listen, if you're signing Frank Gore at the age of 37, if you're talking to Marshawn Lynch at the age of 34, what does Shady McCoy still have? How would you rank him
2: vis-a-vis some of these other unemployed names we've discussed so far? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the best running back of the 2010. Sorry, Adrian Peterson. It's it's, it's it's. I was I was looking at it when they did the old decade team. It's closer than you'd think because of AP's time missed. I will mm. say that uh, total yards uh, and what have you, like Lashawn McCoy, like got him pretty comfortably. With that being said, of course, I take Lashawn McCoy over Marshall and Lynch. In fact, if I'm the Seattle Seahawks, the only reason I don't do this is because I'm a kind soul. And I wait and I let make sure that he ends up with the Philadelphia Eagles because <laughs> that's where he belongs and that's where he should right. be headed. Because I've nothing more than the reunion. Alert. Alert. It's funny. I was doing the unbiased journalist tour, but then you bring up LaShawn McCoy and it just falls apart. <laughs> Ultimately, like LaShawn McCoy though has more to offer to me than, than Marshawn Lynch. Okay. He just does. I just I I, I feel confident in that. And even if you, you talk about the veteran presence of a Marshawn Lynch, I mean, Leshawn McCoy last year was still part of that, that Super Bowl roster. I don't think we heard anything about him causing riffs and losing no. his mind that he wasn't like the, the lead guy or anything. And, of course, that speaks to the relationship that he had with an Andy Reid, but also where Leshawn McCoy is at in this point of his career and life. And I think he just – he brings more to the table to, to than Marshawn Lynch. I think here's the thing. And
1: you've said it before with some of these guys, it's about them looking themselves in the mirror and understanding what their role is and where the market is for them, right? And this happens at all levels, okay? This happens when we were talking about with a guy like Jameis Winston, understanding that he or Marcus Mariota are now backups. Andy Dalton probably have to humble himself in the same way. It happens with elite talent, okay? A guy like Jadavion Clowney who wanted, you know, he thought he was getting 20, $21 million a year. There were no offers at that level, right? So now he's saying, oh, yeah, okay, 16, 17 is okay. And guess what? He's going to get offers, right? It's about understanding who you are, what your value is in the market, and maybe the the same thing is at play for some of these veteran running backs, some of whom have legit accolades to their names, whether it be a 1,000-yard rusher, whether it be Pro Bowl appearances and the like, when you're talking about Freeman, when you're talking about a guy like Carlos Hyde or Shady McCoy. Kevin, there's some other names out there. I want to see if any of these – ring bells for you. You know, there's Bilal Powell out there, Isaiah Crowell, who was only 27 years old, a guy like Ty Montgomery, a guy like Spencer Ware is still out there, Buck Allen, CJ Procise. The list goes on and on. Wendell Smallwood, a former Eagle. And remember, we're not asking this guy to, you know, run for 1,000 yards or get 20 touches a game. We're asking them to be a change of pace back or to be part of a
2: committee. Any other names that I mentioned, uh, would you be willing to take a flyer on? I think when I think that this is the where you kind of get to the point of what are you looking to accomplish when it comes to sure. this signing.
1: The so X and,
2: Y affair, you know. And if, if Marshall Lynch is there to be a genuine contributor, then I then I'm looking further down the list. Um, right. And you know, I, like I, what happens if fifty well? kind of thing or a 70-30 kind of thing. Right. But I'll I'll say this, if a part of this is just having Marshawn Lynch's presence there, then that, of course, is valuable. And it then takes a considerable talent gap, which I think is there with some of the earlier guys we talked about to make that signing, where I understand that if they'd rather have Marshawn and Theo Riddick in the backfield. All right, so we will see
1: whose phone rings next and who is first to put pen to paper, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on as it relates to the other entrenched running backs on those teams,
0: both for prop bets and for... DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dane and Kevin, we're going to continue our deep dives into teams and kind of reset the roster, look at what they did in the draft, see if we like it or not, where they stand right now, and see if we can find some value on their futures in the 2020 season. And today, we look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Kevin, the first thing I'll say when we look at any team in their kind of draft hall, mm-hmm. I, I count the trades that they made also, Right. And Uh so the Pittsburgh Steelers did not have a first round pick, but it's because they traded it to get Minka Fitzpatrick and Minka Fitzpatrick wound up with defensive player of the year votes. So you got to believe that it was kind of a good return for their first round pick. But if you set that aside for the players that they actually did go out and get, they spent their first pick on the Notre Dame wide receiver, Chase Claypool. Then they go and get the outside linebacker out of Charlotte, Alex Highsmith. I'm intrigued by the running back pick, Anthony McFarland and the running back position. And then a couple more at the end of the draft, the guys that will be fighting to make the 53-man roster. Overall, what was your take? What's your reaction
2: to the Pittsburgh Steelers draft picks? So the the Minka situation worked out in an outrageous way to me. I was was pretty low on the Steelers going into last season. Uh, I just felt like, you know, losing Antonio Brown was being celebrated, which was preposterous. Right. Best wide receiver of the 2010s, comfortably. Like, like what's the, like, you know what I mean? And people were like, ah, they got that headache out of that. I'm like, this is going to hurt this football team. Like, I don't know what people don't understand. And like that first game against New England, they looked like a complete disaster, a complete right. disaster. And then they, you know, they lose Big Ben and they proceed then to trade for Minka. And I remember mm-hmm. being floored, floored. I'm like, right. that's a top five pick they just sent out. Offensively, they're already struggling. I like Minka Fitzpatrick as a player. But mm-hmm. what's he going to do? Come in and turn this, you know, into the best defensive? Oh, yeah, he is! Oh, he exactly is! Exactly what happened, right. Oh, what in the world's going to like
1: I was thinking the same thing, Kevin, you know, I thought it was doomsday for Pittsburgh after the Big Ben injury. I even took it further, Kevin. I actually thought that not only would they defecate the mattress and wind up like four and 12. I actually thought it would give the Steelers organization a chance to potentially turn the page. At quarterback and head coach You know what I mean like if, if the Steelers wound up going 3-13 and 13, I think Tomlin might have been Gone I think Big Ben might have been Gone and they would be playing in the you know Tua aloa kind of swift Stakes but that's not what happened and you're right They kind of shoved all in When they didn't have the best hand And it wound up yeah. turning out okay for them Because Fitzpatrick did So much help their defense so I Give it to you their defense is in A good situation their second round pick Of Chase Claypool I think is really Interesting, Kevin. Okay, because you have Juju already. You have Deontay Johnson already, and you have who I think this is a message to James Washington already, right? Because this is a six foot four, two hundred forty pound wide receiver on the outside, allowing Juju to play his normal Y role, allowing Deontay Thompson or Johnson to be in the slot. I think
2: this puts James Washington on notice. Yeah, and I think James Washington is someone who we. I mean, I personally. I, let me. Let me. Know. I expected a lot more from I thought the pairing with Mason Rudolph, like, it's so obvious Hi. to me. Cowboy to like, Cowboy. Yeah, like, you have that relationship from Oklahoma State. Like, how do you not, you know, I, I thought that that would translate a lot more than it did. And, I, and I'm high on Chase Claypool. Um, you know, I, I am, you know, a Notre Dame guy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I think all Notre Dame players are going to come in and be all world talent. And I actually joked on the draft show with you guys, uh, you know, blew at the host, big Steelers fan. And I'm like, Thank you for taking Claypool because now he's a Steeler. And that obviously means he's going to go to Pro Bowls. The Steelers wide receivers just go to Pro Bowls. Right. But ironically enough, you know, we didn't see that play out with a James Washington in the way that we would have expected. But I think that Chase Claypool can be great for this team. I actually thought that Chase Claypool was someone who I, – I thought I was like, man, I could see him actually finding his way in the first round. With his height and his athleticism right. in a way, like I, I really could, could see a team truly falling in love with Chase Claypool brings to the table and i think that big band will actually really really like working with chase claypool and i think that's one of the things when you don't have that first round pick and 100 percent you're right right like we can't just be like they never first round pick they no, like it's a great thing that back. they didn't have that pick. right like they do that a thousand times out of a thousand especially because it only ended up being the 18th pick mm-hmm. but you now do need to hit on that second round selection that you make and it was you know chase claypool and i thought it was a great great pick for pittsburgh and it's one i'm excited to watch all right, yeah, I mean Claypool was one of those kind of bigger wide
1: receivers that went early in round 2. T Higgins went early in round 2. Michael Pittman went early in round 2. It seems like that was the trend towards the start of mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers added to that. You know, one thing that I didn't like about the draft. The one thing I'll say Pittsburgh got a, you know, an average grade, a sure. B, a B minus, especially if you consider the Minka Fitzpatrick. The one thing I didn't like about them is they waited until the fourth round to get the guard okay ramon foster retired last year and we've seen James Connor have a kind of up and down year and you're going to have a 38 year old quarterback and he's not one that's mobile okay so I think priority you know the Steelers window closes anyway as long as if Big Ben is gone and so I thought it could have been a bigger priority to get that interior offensive lineman and they could have done that earlier in the draft they waited until round four to get Kevin Dodson the guard out of Louisiana I would have addressed that need a little bit earlier on but we'll see what Claypool does and we'll see what Anthony McFarlane does as potentially one of those, you know, uh, human joystick kind of guys with a second gear. He's only 5'8", five, 5'9", five, so maybe he can be a balance to some of the more uh, power running backs that are already on the Steelers roster. So let me ask you this. Let me ask sure. you this, though, Kevin. The Pittsburgh Steelers, like, we were talking about the Cleveland Browns yesterday, and it sounded like both you and I were high. On the Cleveland Browns We're bullish on the Cleveland Browns Now one thing I know Kevin is If you like one team in a division You have to sort of on balance Fade another I mean these things Are comprehensive in totality right There are 256 games Played in the NFL so if you got One team going you know 14 and 2 Find me the 2 and 14 team So with that being said If you believe the Browns Are going to overperform Where in that division is going to underperform because, and also, the Bengals can't really underperform anymore. So, to me, either you think the Ravens will regress a little bit, or the Steelers will regress a little bit. When I see the Pittsburgh Steelers' win total, we'll start there. Their win total is at nine. Half a win higher than what we saw with the Browns uh, yesterday. Are you taking the over Mm -hmm. or the under? The juice is pretty
2: even, minus 110 on both sides. So... Uh, later today, right, the NFL schedule uh, will be dropping, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've ever done the exercise of trying to predict all two fifty six, um, but I gave it a shot one year, and boy was it a waste of time, <laughs> because not only did I have like three fourteen and two teams, because um, that's what happens. Like you're high yep. on a team, but like how could like team? You just think like, win, 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 win. Yeah, you know what I mean. But then I also miscalculated and basically had right. wrong experiences but one thing that was not a waste though was kind of as you go through it you're like you know like all right you know someone has got to. It, it's the give and take as you just kind of mentioned right with if the ravens are going to be the ravens and to me there's nothing to suggest they won't we will get into the ravens uh likely tomorrow um but i'm expecting the browns to be better even the Bengals were the worst record in football last year bringing in Joe Burrow, you know, kind of, I know I missed that, you know, breakdown that you and Joe did, but you'd think they could potentially um, improve some. Like, be, I don't think they'd be the worst team in, in football. What yeah. does that mean for the Pittsburgh Steelers? And to kind of take it back with this Pittsburgh team last year, I mentioned I was, I was pretty low on this football team coming relatively speaking, I would say, coming into to last season, I didn't think that they would be making the playoffs. And they got off to a one in four start. And, you know, but Big Ben got down. So, you know, I'm not like patting myself on the back. You know, Big Ben got hurt. But then all of a the sudden, they're eight and five after a mm. one and four start. Right. And people are like, yeah, like this team is legitimate. They then lose their last three and they finish bang on eight and eight. And the way their season was defined last year, we mentioned Minka comes in, the offense, uh, the defense rather, sure. one of the best in football. By DVOA, third best in football. Watt emerges. I- do you know where they finished last year in DVOA on the offensive side of the football? I'm going to guess 25th. So, so that's about what I would... They were dead last. Oh, wow. Last, like, the worst DVOA... Like, and for people that don't know DVOA, it's basically efficiency. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's as we kind of, you know, welcome more advanced analytics into our sports world. Like, dead last. And now, to me, they were 8-8 eight and eight without Big Ben. Right, that lasted offense. We know what Tomlin does. Like Tomlin, as much as we're like, I don't know about Belichick losing. Tomlin's quite similar. They bring big, you know, they, they bring back Big Ben, and this is where I'm now struggling for the give and take. I think it might be a fool's errand for me to again pick against mm. the Steelers team. Okay,
1: so maybe here's the thing. When I say you got to look at it comprehensively, it's not only, you know, the division. Maybe that means the entire AFC South will be down. Maybe it means the AFC East will be down. It's not just the division. It is possible to have three playoff teams from one division. Okay, but to that point, let me ask you not only their win total, the playoff, yes, no, Kevin. Right now, the Steelers, listen, the odds are that they are a playoff team. Okay, with nine is their win total. I'm staring at minus 134 for the yes, plus 110 for no. So the book's thinking that the Steelers are a playoff team. You said they went eight and eight without their Hall of Fame quarterback. You think they get in? And also remember,
2: seven teams make it this year around. Yeah, like, so which it, boy, there's a lot of regression on both sides of the ball coming, right? Like, I don't think they're going to have the third best offense in football again. But can they have. Uh, the, or defense rather, excuse me, but could right. they have a top five? But They won't up. have the worst that, offense. That, and that's the biggest thing, man. Like that's, that's the biggest thing there with the right. extra spot available. I, I'd lean towards the yes there. Like I, and I know like now, all of a sudden I feel like we're going to come out of this and I'm going to say that I have, you know, 12 teams that I'm betting yes on for the <laughs> AFC and I'm going to try to keep track to make sure that that's not the case. Okay. But Pittsburgh, I just, I can't bet against that team. Again after how last year played out to me I think yeah. that they, they they're a perennial playoff team for a reason and I would expect them back in the playoffs next year. So let me let's track this because we don't want 10 teams in the AFC playoffs right. either Kevin
1: you have the, we haven't talked about the Ravens, but I'm assuming you'll have them in yeah,
2: so far sure. out of
1: the teams we've covered you're saying yes to Cleveland and yes to Pittsburgh, right? So, so far, you are leaning that Cleveland and Pittsburgh are two of the seven. And that's fine for now. Let's just remember that as we go along. I I will also say say, the AFC North... If you do like the Steelers, you could bet them to win the division, but it is at plus 340. Again, that is the caveat probably with Lamar Jackson tearing his ACL. You know what we're going to do, Kevin? We'll drill down even deeper into the Pittsburgh Steelers. Our friends at FanDuel have put up ATS spreads for all 16 of the Pittsburgh Steelers games. We'll go game by game, and we'll see if you actually have them with a playoff record. That's what we'll do on the other side Perfect. of the break. Dane and Kevin giving you the edge on Sports Grid. It's the early line because here's the deal. We can't just have everybody be in playoff teams. We're going to start to track this, right. and we're going to see game by game if they do it. We know the 16 opponents. We know home road. I'll explain how we know that, and then we'll do the exercise game by game on the Pittsburgh Steelers to see if they get – those nine wins or enough wins to qualify for the playoffs. As apparently Kevin thinks will happen. We'll figure it out and we'll dig deeper right after this. It's the early line.
0: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back here to In Game Live. Dane and Kevin, and we're looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers today as we continue our roster reset and the way too early lines for the 2020 NFL season. But, you know, (laughs) Kevin made a great point. You can't just be like, yes, they're going to make it. Yes, they're going to make it. We love everybody because that means that, you know, you're just not getting to 128 and 128, or maybe 127, 128, and 1, whatever the case may be, (laughs) in the NFL schedule, right? So you have to do it on balance. So let's now dig in. Our friends over at FanDuel have actually put up spreads for all 16 Pittsburgh Steelers games, okay? I'll give you the spreads, Kevin, but remember, we're just doing win or loss here to see them up against the 9 win total, because here's the deal. Kevin, if we do this, and you have them going 9-7, and If you have them going eight and eight, if you have them going 10 and six, I ain't betting the win total. But if you have them, if you have them with daylight of like two or three games, then maybe there is some value. And the other thing I'll say is everyone I've been saying, even though the schedule gets released later on this week, we already know all the opponents. Okay, so, Kevin, there's 16 games for now in the NFL season. Every team has their schedule created in the same exact way, okay? Six of the games you play are the home and away against the division rivals. That's six of the 16. Every team also then plays an entire other division From their conference, that's another four games, and that just kind of rotates around. That's 10 of the games. You also play an entire other division from the other conference. So they'll play an entire Mm -hmm. NFC division. That's 14 of the games. And then the last two, and this is what is interesting, and this is where you may see teams hearing like, oh, they got a first-place schedule. They got a third-place schedule. What they do is you've already played your own division in this case in the AFC, you're already playing an entire other division in the AFC. What they then do is, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers finished second in that division. They then will play the second place team of the other two AFC divisions. If they were the division leader, they would play the other two division leaders in the AFC. That's how it is created. So we already know the opponents and we already know home or away. So I'll ask you, first let's start with the six division games. Kevin, um, home and away, are they splitting? Yeah. Are they going three and three? Are they going four and two? What do you think the Steelers yeah. do in their six division games? Give me, okay. you know, two and one at home, two and one on the road, zero oh and three on the road, or whatever it is uh, that adds up to six. What do you think they do in division, Kevin?
2: So this is so. This is where you have to be careful, right? Because the very easy thing to do is, all right, right, they'll be four and two. They lose the road games of Baltimore and Cleveland. Of course, they will be the Bengals twice. And right. you'll do this exercise, and every single time the team that you think is the worst team in the division. Right, you'll have them going on 16 every single time. Right. So we have to kind of just play it out. Like play it out, playing it out in my head. I think Pittsburgh is still a good home football team. Right. I think that they are going to really, really get after Baltimore after being swept last year in what is a very, very real rivalry to me. All right. Cleveland is obviously very, very interesting. All in all, as much as I, I think I'm going to end up angling towards what I just said, though, yeah. and give you four and two in total. Is it two and division. one at home
1: and two and one on the road?
2: It's perfect at home. Perfect at
1: home. Right. All right, so you have them beating Baltimore at home, and yes. then you have them going one and two on the road in the division. Let's yes. say they win in Cincinnati,
2: right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. That's what I'm going to roll with, the very... Generic answer, but at the moment, it feels good.
1: All right, so at home, they're at 3-0. On the road, you have them 1-2. and 2. All right, let's keep it moving. It happens that the Pittsburgh Steelers, the AFC North, they play the NFC East, okay? So they have games Beautiful. against your NFC East. So let me tell you what's home and what's on the road. They host in a battle of Pennsylvania. They will host the Eagles. Who you got winning that game?
2: Son of a gun. Uh, I I think I think the Eagles. Let's be honest. I do.
1: Okay. So that's their first home loss to the Eagles. Yes. They will also welcome the Washington Football Team.
2: They will win that game.
1: You have them four and one on at home so far. Okay. Other. Home teams, other home games that they have, will be against two teams from the AFC South. That's the division they play in its totality. So they host the Houston Texans. You like them at home against Houston?
2: Yes, I do. Yes, I do.
1: And they host the Colts. You like them at home against the Colts?
2: I I like the Colts this year. And I think this is a Pittsburgh team that sometimes finds ways to slip up. So I will go with Indianapolis. All right, so you
1: have them 5-2. and two. Remember, I say they play the other second-place divisions. The one they welcome to Pittsburgh happens to be the Denver Broncos. You like them at home against Denver.
2: I do. As much as we both, I think, uh, like Denver this year, I like them at home again. So
1: this is interesting. You have the Steelers going 6-2 and two at home this season. You already have them going 1-2 and two on the road so far. So let's remember those NFC East road trips that they will have. They will come to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants. You like them on a road win against Danny Dimes? No.
2: They, they lose these games. Okay. That's like, fair. You know what I mean? Like, They'll be favored, right? And mm-hmm. they find ways to lose those games. And I think that could be one of them.
1: I'm not mad at that. They go to Jerry's World to play Dallas.
2: What do you think? I'm, I'm expecting Dallas to be pretty good at home this season. All I'll right. take the Cowboys.
1: So you've got them one and four on the road so yep. far. Okay, remember I said they play the entire AFC South. So we yeah. told you who comes to Pittsburgh. Their road trips in that division, they go to Jacksonville.
2: Yeah, I got them beating the Jags.
1: They should beat the Jags on the road. And what about their trip to Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and the Tennessee Titans?
2: I can see them upsetting the Titans.
1: Okay, so you have them three and four on the road. Their last road game will be against the only other second-place team. That was the second-place team of the AFC East. They go on the road to Buffalo. That's an interesting game. Will you have them
2: uh, beating the Bills on the road? They played Buffalo last year, and what was the biggest game of their season? Um, kind of trying Big to figure out the playoff seating. Though. No, 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 not one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I'm just saying it was it, it was it was a fun matchup uh, right. with those those two incredible defenses, man. Um, I'm gonna in in this spot here, I think lean lean towards Buffalo. I'm expecting real good things for Buffalo this season.
1: All right. So what do you know? What do you know? I know.
2: I what do you it. know?
1: Their win total, Kevin, was nine on the number. You have them game by game going six and two at home, three and five on the road for a nice little nine-win total. Okay. I, but, yeah. What's your initial reaction to that? Go ahead.
2: I'm I'm proud that I didn't make them twelve and four. Right. <laughs> I I already regretted them not like losing to Cincinnati. I just. I'll tell you this like, we, we, before we break it down, but that exercise, I love doing because I love becoming fam- more familiar with schedules. And it's just because as you talk it out, you find yourself like familiar with, like oh, okay, this is what's going on here, what, what have you, right? But I'm telling you, every time you do that exercise, the Jaguars and the Bengals are 0-16. Every time. Except as we know the AFC North plays the AFC
1: South this year. So one of them's (laughs) gonna get a win unless they go fifteen and one both teams. Right. But you're Right. right. You can't you can't make the Chiefs 16 and 0. You can't make the you know Bengals 0 and 16. You have to think about it. The worst team out there will get one or two. So I think that is true. And that's why we do this in totality. And so given that you see them go nine and seven. You wanna bet them yes playoffs? You wanna you probably don't wanna take them on their uh, win total? But is nine and
2: seven, do you think that's enough for the seventh seed in the playoffs? Yeah, I think nine and seven could be enough. I think nine and seven certainly could, could be enough because I don't think the AFC I think there's a lot of parity Yeah. In AFC mm-hmm. after those first two teams with being the Chiefs and the with Ravens. You. I think there's a lot of parity. I will say this, though, and I think this is going to be a great exercise for us to continue to roll out here. But one of the things is every single year there, of course, there's, there's like a massive surprise, right? And there's a team you never saw coming, making the playoffs, and maybe even winning their division. And then there's a team that you were really, really confident in, not you know, performing sure. the way that you expected. And you try and pin those down as, as best as possible, right? But you also have to try and say, okay, there's no way it's this team, right? And the Ravens and the Chiefs feel like, to, there's no way oh, yeah. not great. And that proposition in of itself is, almost feels like a risky one. Correct. And I, but if they're healthy, I just don't see a scenario where they're not great. I remember that um, it was coming into last season, I believe it was, it was Clemson and Bama were like my, it was like minus one ten to play in the title game. Obviously, we saw how that panned out, but that was kind of the, the the perception. But I honestly would love to know what the odds I could get on right now to see the Ravens face the Chiefs in the AFC title game because I think I'd be very willing to bet it.
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, the conference odds reflect that as well, Kevin. If I look at the favorites to win the AFC, right? You got the Chiefs as the favorite at three to one. Ravens right behind them at plus 330. You know, 30 cents of difference, okay? And then a huge gap, right? Technically, the third choice is the Patriots at 10 to one. I don't agree with that. But then what you have... Like you said, if you consider the Ravens and Chiefs as two of the seven, right? And I think most people would be comfortable and confident that they are two of the seven. There are five spots then left, right, Kevin? And when I look at just the odds, okay, there are seven teams that are between 10 to 1 and 17 to 1 to win the AFC. Those seven teams are the Pats, the Colts, the Steelers. The Bills, the Browns, the Titans, and the LA Chargers. So, what the books are saying is that the Chiefs and the Ravens are in, are virtual locks, right? And then it looks like they're saying that these are the seven teams that will, in essence, be fighting for the last five spots, you know, and maybe these are the teams that are playing big time wild card games in December. Yeah. But that's what the books are saying, right? So, the Browns and the Steelers, who we've talked about, are in there. It looks like as we go through this, maybe you ultimately say no for a team like the Patriots or the Titans, but that's where it's going to
2: come from. I I think, honestly, as you ran through those names, I feel more confident in my assumption that this Steelers team goes to the playoffs. There were a couple of teams that that you listed there that I know I won't be on higher on than the than the Steelers. But the vice and, versa may
1: be true, right? Because we've talked about maybe liking the Broncos. They're 30 to 1. The Texans, 100%. I didn't mention, at 24 to sure, 1. Sure,
2: sure, sure, right?
1: Sure. So while some of these guys at the 10, 11 yes. to 1, you'll have not in, you'll have yeah. a surprise as well, right? And so
2: yeah, that's why we go through the exercise. And and, and I think that's the thing. Is you, you kind of find, like, you know what? Last year, I'll tell you, I thought the Jaguars were, were going to be my surprise team. And yeah. once Foles got injured, even though I know Gardner did his thing, Jalen Ramsey got traded. It was a disaster, and that didn't pan out. Um, and it didn't work out. Now, the team that I was low on was the Chargers because I said there's just too much going on here. Like, they, they at the time, they had lost Okung, Melvin Gordon, and that kind of panned out. So that's going to be one of the fun things about this exercise is trying to find the surprise team and find the team that everyone's higher on that you are going to pull down.
1: And that's what we're going to do. Try to find new value so you can go ahead and get your own little stimulus package. Tomorrow, we finish off the AFC North with, uh, you know, the AFC one seed from last year, the Baltimore Ravens. I think Kevin will have them in the playoffs as well. Seems like he likes
0: the AFC North. We'll do a DailyRoto.com